This is exactly right. Adulting is hard, but it doesn't have to be impossible. If you want to hear more about ways you can actually live your best life, check out How to Be a Better Human. Each week, comedian Chris Duffy sits down with an expert to talk about the realistic and often unexpected ways you can improve your life. This season on How to Be a Better Human, learn how thinking about death can actually make your life happier, why it's never too late to make a change, and more. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. What is that? What is that? For our listeners, I got a seashell. I got some sea glass. I got some motherfucking sea pottery. I got some crockery from the sea. No one has ever said, and I'm sure. Yeah. I've got some motherfucking sea pottery. <laughs> no one is ever getting gangster to sea pottery. I was just chewing a Pop-Tart, a chocolate Pop-Tart, Al, because it's my nickname. Um, welcome to Adulting. <laughs> this is Jordan Carlos. I'm Michelle Buteau. He is a motherfucking gangster when it comes to sea, glass, and pottery. That's me. Tell the people where you got it. Where did I get it? From your backyard, yo. <laughs> From your backyard. My son tucked all this stuff into my jacket. I only noticed, I was like, why the f- have I got seashells by the seashell in my pockets? My son is six years old. Yeah. And he came to your party dressed as a banana, a life-size banana. Yeah. I like to do a little family-themed, couples-themed mm-hmm. Halloween party. Yes. And also, if you ain't in a couple and you're single and you have a dog, figure out a theme. <laughs> you really are who you are. Yeah. And I remember when I was little, I used to like host every Saturday morning a pound puppy, cabbage patch uh, kid <laughs> club meeting where I would bake something the night before because... I love baking, mm-hmm. and everybody would go around and mm-hmm. tell stories of their pound puppy in Cabbage Patch Kid. Oh, I loved pound puppies. Me too. Pound puppies was cool. Um, I just was hoping it wasn't a kill shelter, but <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I still force my friends to come over to dress up, and uh, your family wasn't themed. No. But the theme was, we tried. The theme was, we tried. Good Lord. The year before that, we were (laughs) themed. This year, it was just too much going on on that day. Sister Girl was coming right from dance class. I was like, listen, you dress as a ballerina for dance. How about we just have you dress as Missy Copeland? And she's like, these are my special clothes, Dad. I'm not going to wear my (laughs) special clothes to this event. And I was like, okay, fine. I tried. Papa tried, and there just was like no time. She's such a young lady. How old is she now? She's 10, going on 49. Why does she feel like she's 13? She feels like a teenager. Because it's the Wednesday Adams of it all. Like some kids. She dressed up as Wednesday Adams, and it was real cute. Yes, it's the Wednesday Adams of it all. Wednesday Adams has taken over so much real estate in my child's mind, and I'm sure other tweens. Minds as well. The darkness. Oh, yeah. The emo. The emo. When I was a kid, I loved Christina Ricci. Still do. Shout out to Christina Ricci. I know you're listening. All right. So um, basically that kind of hair split. My daughter uh, did that as well. Like the split down the middle. And like she just loves the darkness of it all. I don't know. Yeah. I get it because even now with my four and a half year old twins, everything is so pink blue, purple, butterflies, glitter, that by the time you start feeling feelings, it's like, yeah, let's get a little emo. Like, yeah, 
I'm here for it. Here's what I forgot. Mm. Here's what I forgot. I forgot you could go on the Zahn and get costumes in a day or like a couple hours. And so I was like, let's scrounge and make some costumes out here. Let's MacGyver the shit out of this. But I should have done that. I should have done that. I, I, it's my bad. I'll do better. There's still next year. Um, my family were Smurfs. <laughs> yes, they my were. My family were Smurfs. <laughs> you were cute Smurfs. I'm assuming Heist was Papa Smurf. Everyone is just like, what was he? He was a big ass Smurf with red pants on. Of course he was Papa Smurf. <laughs> he also, and I should post pictures. I have them. We could not find a Smurf hat. <laughs> That fit our noggins because the adult ones like fit our kids. And so Heis decided to make Smurf hats because he is quite artistic. Okay. But when I put this hat on, I didn't even realize till I was well into the party, it just looked like a big sperm. Or like, <laughs> my friend was like, no, it's more of like a full condom. And I'm like, but I'm wearing this. And I put like Uggs on because I thought it looked like elf shoes. Mm -hmm. But then when I looked at myself in a picture, I'm like, is this what I look like? You ever see a picture of yourself? You're like, it felt different. Yeah. That was my wedding. But I'm like, <laughs> I felt beautiful. You looked great. Can I? Okay. Should we just post yes. it? We should post it yes, uh, on the Yes, but give IG. me the highlights. Uh, the highlights for me were, first of all, just coming straight in and the, and the spread you had because I went straight chicken wings. I was trying to, I was trying to talk to you, but like I couldn't, there were just chicken wings. And so I, I was like, ain't nobody touched these chicken wings yet. <laughs> so I did the chicken wings. And then uh, my son being a COVID child was like, take me to the beach. Let's lose these people. So we went to the beach. We dug a crater. Somebody said there's a coffee truck. I was able to outfox my son and get to the coffee truck. And um, yeah, it's good. You know what? I'm just saying, if you have like, just like some money to splurge, um, getting a little coffee truck or a food truck or like some cute little nosh, they're so affordable. They're mm -hmm. more affordable than you think. Huh. And you really are supporting a small business. And like, you know, I live out there. I live in a borough that starts with the word the. <laughs> the Bronx, I'm far. You have to take... Highways. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like the highway to heaven. Like the Bronx. We out there. So I'm like, mm -hmm. here's like some caffeine or not like a lemonade or whatever it is. And so yeah. I actually love supporting small businesses because I feel like comedy is sort of a small business as well. It's just like something that you curate and create and just like hope that seven people like. And so I love that. And I also love walking around my backyard and being like, is outside <laughs> my best 10 year old dreams best breast what did you get i'm gonna tell you what i got what'd you get out there tell me what you got okay i i got yeah what do i look i'm gonna give you a shot just one shot what do i what's my vibe what am i what you know me i do i'm 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 different like that i know what so, it is i know what it is i know what, what it is what it's a chai it's a chai latte you're so close that's half of it a dirty chai? Yes! I got a dirty chai. <laughs> I'm such a dirty chai. <laughs> yes. I'm such a dirty oh little chai. Oh my goodness. It is. I do love a dirty chai. Sometimes I like a filthy chai. What the fuck is a filthy chai? A dirty chai is a chai. I mean, obviously a chai latte, chai tea, and some milk, and yes. it's froth and delicious, and it's got that umptious, like, yeah. nutmeggy mm. fucking situation going on. Yes. And then, like, a dirty chai is a shot. One shot. One shot. Of um, espresso. Of espresso. So you get a little tea. You don't exactly get like a full on coffee to like rip up your tummy. Mm -hmm. um, 
a filthy chai is two shots. Oh, oh, god damn. So that's why yeah. I was having dance solos in a Smurf costume oh. with a sperm hat. Because <laughs> that was filthy. Um, oh, okay. My drink is a cappuccino. And I remember our friend Dana Dute, mm-hmm. who's like, you know, he's just like a food connoisseur. Yes. And I got a cappuccino after our dinner one time. And he reamed me out and he's like girl you need an espresso this milk and froth and shit it's not what you do yeah I'm like it's what i do i like a, a nice little coffee moment yes that's sort of like dessert for me put a little cinnamon on top i don't need a dessert i'd rather drink my calories i always say this <laughs> you know this about me and even when i was drinking beer back in the day i'm like mm-hmm. can i get the beer with the highest alcohol content because we don't want to waste our time Mm-mm. okay give me that ipa the last time you guys came to the Halloween party, though, you guys were really cute. Everybody was in formation. You guys were the Dalmatians? Yes, we were the Dalmatians. My daughter was, um, she was, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on her name? But uh, she's not was, Elvira. Who's the, no. who's the lady that don't? Drop it in the, the chat. Drop it in the chat. <laughs> Who is it? I'm going to get this and it's going to, I'm going to scream at I'm gonna three in the up. morning. No. We're not using our brains. We're looking it up right now. Wait, 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 wait. No. She was childless. She had, she was independent. Um, so she was obviously a villain. Um, oh, Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. Thank you so much. Oh my, yes. you did it. You used your brain. Yeah. Childless, independent. That, in Disney World, that is formula for villain. Like, a woman without no kids? Look. Don't do it. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. We um we actually had a, a guest come to the house who was also Corella Deville. Yeah, and she looked fierce. I missed this part. Y'all left early. We sure did. I guess your wife is on top of it. She's just like tick tick tock, bitches. Yes, we we gotta leave the borough with the word the in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly let's go. It is a journey. It is a journey, Smollett, to your place. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of like there. <laughs> comes a time, a point when my six-year-old son is just like, he doesn't get how big the world is. And it's just like, when are we there? Yes. When are we there? And I'd be like, soon come. Don't worry. <laughs> when you see the Dunkin' Donuts. Soon come. <laughs> yeah. Irie. Pull up. Freaking dicky, dicky, dicky. Trot back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All the way in the Bronx. It's a beautiful part of the Bronx, though. Yeah. It's a beautiful, magical, haunted place, uh, which I do appreciate. There's a lot of energy here. No, truly, it is giving the New Orleans type energy, like Anne Rice. What? You mean saffron rice? Oh, my God. Or dirty rice? Is that what you're saying? Oh, Lord. Speaking of haunted, very excited for our guest this episode. She's wonderful. I love your transitions. I know. Pivot. I'm a mall cop. I have a segue. Pivot. Go. Go. She's a publisher. She's an activist. Uh, she's mm-hmm. a witch. She's a performer. It's almost like what can't she do? All in a beautiful ass nose ring and some good ass textured hair. Okay. Yes. Yes. Do you want to intro her name? Because I feel like I'm talking a lot. You're doing great. Um, I would be remiss to say that uh, she's also a Texan. Please give it up for in your cubicle and or bike or car, wherever you are, Adrian Marie Brown. Jesus Christ, that took so long. It did. Bitches! (laughs) Hi. Adrian Marie Brown, hi. Yay, 
I love this hair. This is giving me like Ahsoka in the hood in a good way. I really like it. Thank you. I mean, I always want my look to be a drug dealer that's good at math or like yes. a, a bank manager that's also a reggaeton producer. Like I'm going to get the business done, but still have fun. Yes. Like I'm giving you a widespread of, of ways of being. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very anime. It's very like put her in a cartoon right now. Do you have an animated self? Is there an animated project for you? No. Ooh. That's a loss. Someone's missing out right now. Right? It's okay. You guys can just cut me in on the contract when you eventually figure it out. Okay, Miss Brown. Why are you a walking <laughs> Shark Tank episode all the time? Not even two minutes in. I need to do reverse Shark Tank where it's just like, here's a bunch of ideas, world. Yeah. It's not a catfish. It's not a shark. We need another fish. Maybe it's like an octopus tank. Ooh. Another idea has escaped my brain. Yes. Octopus <laughs> Octopus I like that. <laughs> Octopus I love that you're doing this episode because like there's so many titles, there's so many jobs, there's so many mm-hmm. ways that you heal the world and yourself through entertainment, right? But uh, Jordan's like, and Texas. And Texas, baby. And Texas. And by the way, I'm sure, listen, you'll be first to point out Adrian Marie Brown, because I'm from Dallas and you are from El Paso. That's right. I'm going to dovetail this into your book, Holding Change. Yes, dove it. El Paso is different from the rest of Texas. However, it is Texas. And El Pasans will be first to tell you yes. that they ain't in the part of Texas that you in. We are in the same storm, but we ain't in the same boat. We're not in the same boat. Yeah. And it's Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, I, I was born in the part of Mexico that's in Texas called El Paso. <laughs> you know? Yes. You know, and I'm very proud as I get older that all the people that everyone loves are coming out of Texas. And it seems like in a way, balancing the horrific politic that's unfolding there because it's like, okay, yes, bad politics, but Beyonce Yes, bad politics, but <laughs> Meg the Stallion. Yes, bad politics, but Alok. Alok, yeah. Maybe a little Adrian, a little bit of Adrian, okay? You, yes, among other things. I was like, the Simpson sisters? Just kidding. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many. It's a really big place. But yes. so you're from Dallas. I'm from Dallas. You go back? Yes, I go back about um, the court mandated two to three times a year to see my parents. I love them so much. So. <laughs> but, you know, we kind of hold our breath. I'm in it for the Mexican food and to see my parentals at this point. Um, yeah. And that's that's what it is. Listen, it's home. We go to special places for our parents. Yes, we do. And my Dallas remains a little blue dot in a, in a big old cherry pie. Yeah. I live in such a blue dot now. So, yeah, I feel you. Wait, where do you live? So currently I live in Durham, North Carolina. Got you. Which is one of the blue dots of the whole region. And... It's a, a magical place. Like, it's so green. Took me like two years of driving around and being like, where's downtown? Because there's no real downtown. Like, it's just green trees everywhere. Mm. And to realize, like, this is just a different way of doing a city. I came of age in New York City. And so when I think of, oh, you're going to a city, it's always the place where the skyscrapers and the concrete and like, yeah. And here there's a very small area that's got some tall-ish buildings, you know. But yeah, I moved down here I doing the like reverse migration thing. So my parents are all from the Carolinas and my whole extended mm. family is from the Carolinas. But at no point in my life did I ever think I would live in the South. I always was like, 
I'm going to live in Paris, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, the bed bugs, I'm just like, it's okay. I'll just stay. <laughs> Here's a question. Because you you have high cheekbones like my aunt and my uncle. We cousins. Um, and you're from the Carolinas. We are. I was like going to tell you off camera, but it's like Ancestry.com. We're connected. Yeah, you look a lot like my dad. It's not a game. Like you look just like my dad. This is really strange. What is happening? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a picture of my dad and then we can put it all together and be like, yeah, you're my dad. Yeah. I don't know. You're my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All things possible. I don't even know if you can describe, but what was it like growing up biracial in Texas? Did you have to, did you have language, like a vocabulary to say this is what it is? When did you realize you were black? Well, it's interesting because my dad was in the military for 30 years. So we were in El Paso on a military base. I was born. We left three months later to Germany. And then we came back when I was about three. Wow. For like another period of time where both of my sisters were born. My memories of childhood was everybody was mixed because we were on this military base. And so it was like everybody was mixed. You know, it was like black and Japanese, black and German, black and white. Mm-hmm. It was all Black people had mixed with something. And that's what all the kids were. So it wasn't until I was older that when we got stationed in Georgia that I went for the first time to like a non-Department mm. of Defense school. And there was like Black people over here, white people over here. What are you? Yeah. Are you Latino? Like, what is this? <laughs> what are you giving right now? Yes. And just being like, okay, I need to PhD racism right now because I need to understand what's going on. Yeah. I always say I learned German when I was a kid and then I lost it because I had to learn racism. Wow. <laughs> like I had to understand like mm-hmm. what was going on with racism. And it was like yeah. literally displaced everything. Because, you know, trying to survive, mm-hmm. I feel like our kids are always trying to figure out like, how do I survive the social constructs of the world that I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. Right. How do I find a way through as myself? Or do I just join and glom onto one group for a little while and then figure it out later? Yeah. I love that this is called adulting because to me, so much of adulting is trying to return to our essential child selves and be like, oh, the constructs are just some other people's ideas of the world, but I'm me. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I want to tell y'all, so our listeners know, I'm wearing my favorite adulting outfit today, which is a big pajama t-shirt draws and socks because I was like, it's adulting. I'm an adult and I work from home and this is what I wear for most of my adulting life. I love that. Yes. That definitely puts it over the top. I think we are related. Um, Okay. (laughs) Because that sounds like my family. (laughs) There's no occasion to dress up. Yeah. Ain't an occasion yet. Oh yeah. We plan our family holidays around like how many pairs of sweatpants and pajamas should I bring? Mm -hmm. What movies are we going to watch on the couch? We're going to get to the bottom of this, but you're absolutely right. I'm just curious. I mean, my mom is mixed. Yeah. My dad obviously is mixed, but we don't know who and what. It's just, he the light one. You know, everybody else not. Like, we call him the white sheep. <laughs> but the only thing they knew was like half cast, mulatto. Mm. You know what I mean? It's that generation. It's Jamaica. It's England. It's, you know, proper colonialism. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it was like, if you can pass, pass. Oh, wow. And it was like a choice. And if you don't want to, then this is what your life will be, right? And so, you know, she obviously, she can pass. She chose not to. Yeah. Because why would you deny? But also like that generation, you understand why, but also like, why? I always look back and I'm like, 
I never want to cast judgment on what my ancestors had to do to survive. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't want to try to put them in this time. Right. So I'm always like, okay, like we have to remember, you know, when you're in a period where people mostly want you to die or to be a slave, you figure out ways to survive and you, you do what you need to do. Yes. And so I always look back and I'm like, you know, in my family, as far as I know, I'm the first generation of mixed kids, but my dad is very light-skinned. His mom was very light-skinned. Like, I look almost exactly like her. And when we did the Ancestry.com thing, it was like this random little 9% Scandinavian situation happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, although we grew up, there was a little like, maybe there's some indigenous or maybe there's something else, but like the DNA don't lie, you know? I don't think. I don't know, actually. Yeah. But my feeling of myself growing up has been really like, you know, tuning into this thing of being like, I'm a Black person because in this country, that's how race has been set up. But I've also traveled to places where people will like, look at me, touch my hair and be like, oh, Obruni, like white girl, gringo, something, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the relativity matters. I also think as I get older, I keep learning more and more about privilege, right? Like how privilege shapes what you're viewed as and how you're seen. So even amongst Black people, if you're like, oh, you're light-skinned, you have this kind of hair, you went to college, you're something different, right? Yep. Mm. And being able to own that instead of being like, no, 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 it's all the same one glom thing. It's like, no, Blackness is a construct that was put on us by white people to group everything together into one space. Mm-hmm. And my Blackness now is something that I hold as a political identity. It's something that I hold with a lot of pride and with a lot of love. But I don't try to Im- imagine that my Blackness growing up with a white mother is the same as anyone else's, right? Right. There's a distinction. And I meet other people who are Black who grew up with white moms, you know, and who are mixed race and who've gone through this journey. And what's intriguing to me is how many different places people land with it. Yes. Like, instead of being like, oh, there's one way to do mixed. Yes. It's like, no, there's however many people there are. There's so many ways to do it. It also depends on like who you date who you build your next family and your next chosen family with. And for me, that's mostly been Black people. But I do have a few like really righteous white folks and and other folks in here. And, you know, it's for me, I'm trying to build a world that looks like the future I want in my intimate relationships. Right. That's because you're into Afrofuturism, if I'm correct. I'm an Afrofuturist. I'm like, I want to see Black people in the future. Right now, this week, you know, we're recording this and it's like, the stuff is popping off in Gaza. And I'm like, I want to see Palestinians in the future. Mm. I want to see Black people in the future. I want to see Indigenous people from North America in the future, from South America in the future. Like, I always look at our world and I'm like, who is is being most oppressed? And how do we imagine a future in which they are safe and abundant? Right. Yeah. Right, Mm -hmm. right. does that affect you? How does that reach you? You mm-hmm. have a white wife. You have mixed children. Mm-hmm. You guys are living in Brooklyn and it seems like a pretty good neighborhood, but you also Me? travel with your kids. Yeah, you're the only Jordan on this. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, how does it affect me? Yeah, like how do you teach your kids to navigate the world? My son uh, definitely presents as white, you know, uh, to people. 
And so something he is all about is, as he likes to say in his little Elmer Fudd voice, is that he is Black culture. (laughs) And so what I do is present him with the stories of people that, like, that he could be proud of, uh, that, like, you know, of icons. Yeah. You know, of the culture. And then when we go out into the real world, we always stay close. Yes. We always stay close. So that that way people get it. You know what I mean? Yes. Because eyes are watching. So it's like, we stay close in an airport. Yeah. We stay close, you know, like, just like people are like, oh, oh, I get it now. And sometimes I walk with my son who presents as white and my wife will walk with my daughter who's brown. Fascinating. So people will be like, oh, they got one of each. Oh, he get one. <laughs> this is like the end of uh, uh, of Lady and the Tramp. I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They come out like puppies. That's a great visual. I mean, it is interesting. Like my sister has three kids who are all lighter skinned and Mm -hmm. two of them are blonde. And it has been really interesting because, you know, growing up for me, I was like, oh, like it's obvious I read as black or I read as as of color. Like people mistake me for many things. Um, They don't usually get it right. It's often Puerto Rican or Dominican. I've gotten Moroccan. I've gotten other things before. Same. We're the same. Yeah. I'm just sort of like, hey. Um, and when I was younger, I'd play with that, you know, and just be like, whatever feels safest. <laughs> like, whatever feels like you're going to, like, let me be here, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but now watching the kids come up and watching them navigate it, it's so fascinating because it also, you know, looking at them, I'm like, I think the the color thing moves in these waves. I think there's a lot of people who are white who have ancestry of color mm-hmm. who don't know about it or who do know and it was intentionally hidden or is intentionally shifted. Like, because I, seeing how how it can shift back and forth so quickly is actually fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And then I do think that, I feel like if the world wasn't in such conflict and crisis all the time, I would be doing some interesting things around being mixed. Like, mm. I'm interested in the conversations around which aspects of culture and identity we want to uplift and we want to carry forward and we want to hold on to. And like, yeah, just how we how we navigate that. I love what you said about like, here's the history. Here's histories of your peoples that you mm-hmm. can feel good about, that you can feel proud about. My parents were very much like, you know, my mom was disowned from her family when she married my dad. Mm. Wow. You know, they eventually took us back because I'm, irresistibly cute. That's right, boo. (laughs) But, you know, it took a while, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this painful history. For them, they're like, everything related to how outsiders view our family is painful. We're going to create a little safe haven Mm -hmm. within our family. And for a while, that's really what we did. It was like, they were so much more interested in who we were than telling us anything about who we were. Right. And you know, the political education I've gotten as I'm older, I think there's a way to do a little both. And I see parents doing that now where they're, you know, it's just what books do you read to your kids? You know, mm-hmm. who are the icons? What are the posters on their wall? One of my nibblings right now is uh, one of my goddess sisters is uh, Indian from the continent that Columbus was looking for. And she's married to a Black man and their little baby's coming up and it's like, okay, who's on his walls, right? It's like Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. belongs to you, you know, and so does Vandana Shiva. And like, the, you know, these are your guides, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something really beautiful about that is like making these constellations for kids that they can look up to and and move towards. Uh, yeah, on that, like I do the same thing with my kids. I'm like, do you realize how lucky you are? 
So their great-grandfather fought in the Red Army in the Soviet Union. Oh, wow. And then my ancestors have been here in America since the early 19th century. So it's like, you need to think about that. Mississippi, Virginia roots coming from, you know, subjugation and slavery, becoming farmers and working their way up into society and like being proud. And, you know, like that's the intersection of you. Yeah. I try to inform them on, on both things and just be like, you are the immigration story. You came here without choice, that immigration, and then also the Ellis Island of it all. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful dovetail on their little faces, you know? Yeah, that's really gorgeous. Oh, you guys made me so emotional. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Good. Stop. It's nice to take a moment to recognize all everyone's done for us to be here. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Because we're always so worried about the future of the 401k, where we're going to have, where we're going to live, how they're going to be, where, how they're going to look, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so important just to take a whole ass moment to be like, damn. I come from people. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm like, we all come from survivors. And mm -hmm. I've really been sitting with, in this moment, like, what is the trauma of our histories? What is the trauma that our peoples carry? And then how are we transmuting that trauma into community, into connection, into interdependence, into futures we want to be a part of. And when we have these massive moments in history, I look and I'm just like, I have to always remind myself like this too shall pass. Mm. And eventually that trauma is going to grow and move and shift into something else. And it's on us, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, if we don't process our trauma, I think we turn into overlords and I think we become very harmful. But I think when we do process our trauma, we actually get to build these really beautiful families. Hmm. We get to build these beautiful communities. We get to build these futures where yes. instead of being at odds with each other's histories, we're like, oh, we all come from the people who have survived yes. what came before. Like that's the common ground. Yeah. And in the everyday of it all, like take that with you, you know, like... Mm -hmm. It is interesting being married to a white European guy because he's realizing how fucked the world is, right? Oh, wow. And he is just like, oh, how are we going to raise kids in this world? I'm like, my ancestors were ripped from their homes yeah. from Africa. Yeah, They didn't even want to leave. And yet still, somehow, we are thriving. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter what, and I say this like up there, but also like, down here in your everyday. Yeah. If you want to start something, if you want to be something that you have always wanted to be, if you have a dream, like fucking do that. Oh, yeah. Because I do feel like the patriarchy really does fucking win when you think you don't know or you can't do it. Yeah. You can. Just try. I'm always thinking of paying it back to like, I think often I'll I'll be doing something like Oh, I'm writing a book. Like, I'm like, I'm sitting here freaking writing a book all day in my pajamas. And I want to send that energy back to my grandmother. Yes. Right. Who did not get to tell her story. She was a domestic worker and she raised seven children. And, you know, she was, she was spicy. She had a lot of lovers. She had a lot of baby daddies. She was doing her thing. She had a great, you know. I love a good hoe. Oh my goodness. Better own your sexuality if you can't own property. She was a good spicy grandma, you know? Yes. Um, but I also know that, you know, I imagine that she was tired and that she didn't have a lot of time alone or a lot of like time to sit in the bath or a lot of, you know, ideas that people would going to listen to her story. And so I send that energy back along the line because I'm like, something that you did made it possible for me to do this. And something that I'm doing now 
hopefully makes it possible for someone else to create or to, you know, be a part of shaping the future. Amazing. I named my character in a thing that I did that I cannot mention. We went through this the last time. You wrote it so you can speak about it. Okay, I wrote it. Her name is Mavis. I will say her name. (laughs) So is that the guideline? Is that the guideline? It's like, as the writer, you can talk about it. Yes, but... But as the actress... You wrote something and who knows what happened after that. <laughs> right. So I, I feel like that is such a beautiful name. And she yeah, is, is. she it was my person. And also... That was like, your grandma, this, Mavis? That was my grandma. Oh, I missed that in the giggles. Yeah. So what I'm saying is like, yeah, I I will honor her. I love that. Mine was Eloise. Yes. Her middle name was Louise. See, these are the names. I'm like, this generation yes. has some names. They are names with like mystery and smoky energy. Mm. Yes. Wait a minute, Adrian. My great aunt Eloise. I'm just kidding. All Wait. right. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> You're laughing, but can I tell you something? Please. Do y'all know the incredible Black American writer Imani Perry? Imani Perry. What does she write? Imani Perry. So if you don't know about her, you need to know about her. Actually, Google her because she's written so much. She's written so many texts. And she has one. um, Let me pull it up. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. Pull it up. So this last one she did, South to America, Mm -hmm. A Journey Below the Mason-Dixon to Understand the Soul of a Nation. Mm. She wrote Mm. a book called Breathe, A Letter to My Sons. But she's one of our great writers. Like, she's one of our great thinkers, beers, everything. And she and I had been at, like, several conferences together and all these things. And I was like, I'm like, you're so brilliant. Come to find out, we're third cousins. There you go. Oh! See? That's what it is. She reached out to me and she was like, I found us in the thing and, and you're my cousin and we've tracked the family trees. It's so beautiful. Yeah, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yes. Do you know the actress Tessa Thompson? Yeah. I found out we are cousins by marriage. What? That's a good cousin to have too. <laughs> Look, honey. She's so fine. <laughs> That's so good. I know, right? There's a whole gaggle of light-skinned Haitians that are yeah, artists. Yeah, the light-skinned Haitian artists. Yeah. Y'all are my people. Where have you been? Yes. And when you think about like the size of Haiti, you know, the, the, oh, that's another beautiful freedom struggle to have in your past. Powerful. Have you heard of Toni Morrison? <laughs> yeah. That is actually my cousin. And that is the end of our show. Oh, our cousin is Toni Morrison? That's what's up. Yes. Go off. Hop <laughs> off. Wait, that's a really good cousin. Tony. Wait, what? <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. No, wait a minute. Tony Morrison that sells zoot suits? Tony, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> this is fun, but we got to get to questions. Let's get to questions. So uh, our audience writes in every week and they ask us questions about adulting. And it's not like we're experts, but here the fuck we are. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're experts at having feelings, <laughs> LOL. So let's try to answer them. This one's tailor-made for you, Adrian. This is, this is okay, great. Okay, great. I'm ready. Is it? Okay. Oh, wow. I don't even know how to... Okay. First question. I'm ready for my first orgy. Uh... How do I find one? Where do I start? Burning Man? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Adrian, what say you? Well... First of all, I just want to say this is so sweet. Yeah. OMG. Like, yeah. it's a sweet feeling to have inside yourself when you're like, I know that I want to have sex with like tons of people at the same time. Yeah. It's really unique. So the thing I would recommend is there's an app called Field, F-E-E-L-D, that is designed for people who are interested in like non-monogamous connections, you know, poly connections, 
threesomes, foursomes, you know, you can kind of put on there. It's very much designed around like, what is the sexual pleasure that you want to experience? And how can you connect with the other people in your community to find that? And it's amazing. Like, you know, there's like basically two kinds of people going on the dating apps, right? There's one who's like, I'm looking for my love, my great love. Mm. And the other one is like, I'm looking for my great fuck. Like, I really want to have some good sex, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's very hard for them to talk to each other. They're in the DMs like, you know, how many kids do you want? Uh, Do you like condoms? It's just like, they're not, it's not gelling. It's hard to figure it out. Field to me, it's like, this one is for the sex. And if the sex, you know, leads you to a good connection, yay. But we're really primarily focused on what kind of sex do you want to be having? So I would go on there, make a profile. In your profile, you can put that you're interested in group sex, that you're interested in polyamorous connections, that you're interested in um, possibly being a third or a fourth. Because I would say it helps to start with, uh, like go up the numbers if you can, right? So it helps to start and be like, maybe I want to date a couple. Then move from there into a foursome or, you know, sort of add up. But I think sometimes jumping straight from I've only ever had sex with like myself or one other person to like a whole orgy can be kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's on there. You can find people on there who are interested. So that's one of the places I would point you to. Field does not promote our show, but we are blasting you out, Field. All right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would also say for an orgy um, out of whatever group you will be in, it's okay if you connect with one person the most. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's often what happens. Or if you go with somebody that you're like, I like this person and maybe we want to be around other people. There's sex parties. Yeah, that part. Yeah. But I think that a lot of times sex parties, you have to kind of know word of mouth. I do think that if you're in an area and you say, let me follow some of the people who do sex education, sex entertainment, um, you can find announcements for stuff that will connect you to the community, you know? Yeah. I'm a big fan of really tuning into like the kink community and sort of figuring out like who's creating, because what you want to look for are safe spaces where they're having good conversations ahead of time, where they're talking about what the safety protocols are going to be, where there's clear language that everyone understands around what's a no, what's a safe word, what's, mm-hmm. yeah, what are the guidelines? So be safe out there and, you know, have an orgasmic yay. And also one last little tidbit. Yeah. Just be careful who you tell. Because that's also a safe space. That's true. People are so quick to cast judgment and not understand what it's like to like sex. I, um, that's so true. What do you got on this, Jordan? Nothing. You got some orgy wisdoms? Nothing. Um, I think he doesn't like to I, talk about sex. No, he doesn't I, even say no, sex. He's just I celebrating our bodies. Love Wait, talking about hardcore banging. Um, but I oh, feel, he can't uh, even say it. It's so cute. <laughs> oh God! No. Oh God! No. Oh no. God, Dad! Uh, no. I'm actually appreciative because he looks so much like my dad that I'm like, it's okay if you don't want to talk about sex. It's okay if you don't want to talk about it. That's familiar. No, you know he's really, you know he's really no. uncomfortable because he turns into like an Obama impression. He's like, I, I don't I, mind. I don't mind the sex. I, I don't mind talking about uh, a, a bit of bedroom stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I was in college, there were naked parties, and naked parties were actually pretty great too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't about like, you know, it was about feeling free in your body. Yes. Which was like really cool. And depending on where you are, people are doing stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. uh, my friend had, does a podcast called The French Show. And they were talking to folks who were hosting like a naked dinner mm-hmm. and stuff like that in LA. <laughs> That's crazy. LA is like doing yeah. like naked <laughs> vegan mm-hmm. gatherings and sure. stuff. Be naked, but also have a food allergy. It's confusing. Um, <laughs> look, I, 
But also in, in Holland, the spas are co-ed naked. So like mm. there is this appreciation of your body that it is just your instrument, your tool to like carry you through the world. And it isn't always sexualized. Yes. Which I love. But also there is this thing about Holland where I'm just like, but I am sexy. Okay. Yeah. I do want to be noticed and seen in that way. Well, and I think there's something, you know, I feel like what I've seen people try sometimes is to turn a party, a regular party into an orgy. Mm. And I think that can be, um, sometimes it can work, but a lot of times that can go off the rails because there hasn't been a lot of thought put into it ahead of time. Right. So I really say like, go towards the places where people are intentionally thinking about creating safe places. And a lot of times these days, they might not say orgy, they might say sex party. They might say some, you know, call it something else. And yeah, mm-hmm. but you can get this. You can definitely get this. Yeah, I'm excited. I'd be remiss if I didn't um, point out one thing, which is like, you've also tied in your writing and in your work pleasure to how important that is to like change yes. and progress. Like to say yes to pleasure and to say yes to change are like one and the same. That's right. I really uh, appreciated that point that you made about that. I was like, yeah, getting freaky and making change. I love that. Well, pleasure activism too, you know, ties into what we were talking about with our grandmothers as well. It's like, this is something that we are reclaiming for ourselves after a long period of oppression. And to me, it's one of those signs. It's like, if you think you can go get an orgy, that's good news. That means you have recovered from, (laughs) right? Recovered from a world that told you you don't get what you deserve or you Mm. can't have abundance. Because a lot of times that's what the threesome, foursome, orgy life is about is really like, I want I want it all. You know, I want to have an abundant experience of pleasure. Yeah. I love that. Uh, okay, which brings us to our next question. I love this. Um, it's a town over from what we were just talking about. Okay, great. Let's go. All right. Uh, question number two. My parents are old school Republicans. I am 40 years old. How do I tell them that I don't want to be Republican anymore? Mm. Oh, honey. Gosh. Well, first of all, I'm like, I want to send you a lot of love because being 40 years along in this journey and feeling at odds with your parents in this way, I'm sure has been very hard, very lots of awkward family times, very much trying to figure out who you are. And, you know, the thing that I, I'm, I'm a big lover of like honesty as the policy. Mm-hmm. So I do think sometimes you have to tell people something with a willingness to like, let them go at least for a while if need be. So. I say this, like my grandparents were homophobic, transphobic people. And I came out to them. um, It's actually, I did an acid trip and I decided to write them a letter coming out to them and I mailed it before I came down. So I'm not sure what exactly it said, but I know that it was, I like to have sex with more than one gender was in there. And I told them and wisdom, not wisdom, who knows. But what happened was I told them, they sent me some scripture we didn't talk for a couple of years and then we they reached out to me and I was able to have some really good different kinds of conversations with them. And what I learned is even though we went through the hump where I was like, I might lose them forever, by me telling them, here, I'm I'm different from the worldview that you have and I exist, by me just saying that, then I go handle my business and they're the ones who actually have to grow to mm-hmm. hold that space, right? So my recommendation for you And you can do it in person, but it's also totally fine to do a brave letter, right? To be like, I want to write this to you because I want to have it as clear as it can be. Maybe you read the letter to them or you do it on Zoom. There's so many ways. But I think if you just say, I haven't wanted to disappoint you and I don't want to be disconnected from you, Mm. but my political beliefs are different from yours. And 
I'm living into them and we can talk about it. I think that's one of the biggest things right now is the way that so much oppression and so much harm happens in our country is that people are just quiet. They're just like, well, we can't have the hard conversations. Mm. Instead of saying, we can talk about it. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to say, here's a text or here's an article or a podcast that really changed my point of view on this. Listen to it. See what you take from it. We can talk about it. We can also not talk about it. Right. If you want to try to change my mind, that's probably not going to happen. But I wanted you to know because I love you and I want you to know me. I love that. That's perfect. It's not It's not being like, I hate y'all. I did that where I was like, dad, you're in the military. You're, you know, I came back with a lot of rage. Mm-hmm. I've learned. Yeah. It's really like, I just want you to know me. I know you. I love you. I want to be connected. But, you know, I don't believe in especially right now, to be a Republican in this moment is really to be on the Willy Wonka elevator. (laughs) There's not, you're not grounding in an actual politic or perspective. So, you know, you have to really be like, look, I love y'all, but like something is really out of alignment with like the future of humanity and I'm trying to walk a different path. (laughs) They might need you right now because uh, in your writing, you always talk about consensus and building rapport. Yes. And to use or act democratically in our everyday life. Yes. And to say like, no wonder the merry-go-round breaks down in politics because we do not practice democracy in our everyday. That's right. So you see a quick sidetrack, the speakership, the question mark on that paralyzed the entire governmental apparatus. Very dysfunctional. Very dysfunctional. So the use of tyrannical power, bullying, pressure, and things like that, which is not what democracy is about. That's right. It has hobbled the system. Yeah. If people could be like, as you are always talking about, mushrooms and or dandelions, then um, you'd be better off. Look at you doing the homework, Jordan. I'm impressed. Stop. (laughs) Feels like familial love. (laughs) He puts his glasses back on. For Cuzzo, I do this. I just feel so well-read. Like, this is such a good, lovely experience. I mean, I do think that I identify mostly as a post-nationalist. And Mm. part of the reason I identify as a post-nationalist is because I think that we create these nation-state systems that become obsolete, become so bureaucratic that they are no longer in touch with the decisions we actually need to be able to make in real time. Right. And then it keeps us from practicing democracy because we're like, well, that's someone, someone's doing it over over there. And once mm-hmm. every four years, I can just show up and be like, now you do it for the next, now you do it, now you do it. <laughs> Instead of being like, I should know what's happening in my local community. Mm-hmm. I should be a part of helping decide what kind of justice we practice. I should help think about how we distribute our resources, all those things, right? Yep. In my ideal future, communities are smaller widely interconnected, but much smaller and are in relationship to all these decisions, right? In the meantime, we're in this circumstance where everything is really skewed so far right. I think in the US, we can't even tell how far right we have drifted. Mm -hmm. And the ways that you can tell are actually in these global moments when something is unfolding on the global stage and most of the globe is like, hey, don't do that. And then we are the ones who are like, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to do the most violent thing or we're going to do the hardest thing or we're going to do the most, you know, off the rocker thing. That's when you can tell that your country is out of alignment with like a global future. And we're out of Mm. alignment right now when it comes to climate. We're out of alignment when it comes to war, militarization, spending. We're out of alignment on so many things. So I want to affirm this person who has written in that you are putting yourself in alignment with the right side of history by stepping away Mm. from that delusion land. But you don't have to get their approval for it. 
right? You just want to say, I love you and I want to be connected. I am connected and love so many people who have different politics than me because in my vision of the future, they are alive and well and they are taken care of. Like, my politic includes them. Amen, sis! To me, that's the way. Wow. Only my cousin could break down Overton's window like that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Only my cousin. Okay, so we ask all our guests. (laughs) Yes. What is the most adult thing you want to do for yourself that you haven't had a chance to do? And it could be any big old, small old thing. Mm. This year, what haven't you done for yourself that you really want to do for yourself? I might get emotional talking about this, but I am in this really beautiful big moment right now of changing my relationship to disordered eating. I was raised in that 80s culture of like diet aerobics, diet aerobics, like you have to be skinny and you have to eat cottage cheese and you have to always be on a diet. Mm -hmm. And so I developed disordered eating, like I think many, many people have, and I've developed this incredible life. So like everything else in my life, my lovers, my work, my family, my friends, everything else in my life is high functioning. I'm a Virgo. (laughs) My life is incredible. But there's this one area of shadow, which has been the relationship that I have to food often makes me feel out of control, unsafe, self-harming, confused. Like I literally will have moments where I'm like, is this bad or is this good? I can't even tell like if this is a good or bad thing. Wow. And so this year I've been working with a therapist on just turning and looking at my relationship, tracing back the roots of it, and then beginning to develop the mindfulness to tell, oh my gosh, that's enough. Oh my God, I'm satisfied. Oh my God, that feels good all the way through my body. Like that feels good before, during, and after. And yeah, I feel like it's transforming everything in my life again. Wow, okay. Because I'm like, oh, my body is an important part of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I talk about pleasure activism, I've done the somatic work. There's a way that I couldn't feel inside my gut. Yeah. Or I wouldn't trust what was happening in there. And it's been so loud. It's been like, girl, we're lactose intolerant, girl. We don't like that gluten, girl. But I've been like, no, yes, you do. I'm going to keep stuffing it in there and dealing with inflammation. So yeah, it's really beautiful. That's my adulting that I want to do this year. Yes. Listen to my gut. Oh, that's, I mean, oh applause, a round of applause. <laughs> a round of applause. Thank you so much for doing this, being here. And being you. I love y'all. Right back at you. I've been listening to y'all and it's just like such a lovely vibe to just dip into the zone with y'all and laugh. You know, no matter what's happening on a given day, I know that if I put y'all on, I will laugh. And like, (gasps) that's so precious right now. Oh my goodness. I'm taking those flowers. I'm watering those. Thank you so much. Look, I'm clipping the ends. That's great. (laughs) I learned from Oprah how to put flowers into a vase. She did a show once on it. And like, oh, yeah, you got to do it on the edge. Cut it on the edge, on the the bias. I want to be the Oprah of like revolutionary movements. So I got to figure out more flowers. Done. Okay. You get a flower. You get a flower. I love it. You get a flower. You get a flower. You get some justice. You get some peace. You get some justice. (laughs) Thank you for this talk. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This was great. You hang up first. This is. No, you hang up. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. She's a fascinating mind. So you knew her. Oh, I mean, I didn't really. It was just like... You knew of her. I basically was like, I'm going to do a deep dive 
like I saw her name and I was like, I don't know this person. So I was just like, let me just go do a deep dive on it. And I was like, this is great. I read um, part of her first book, Emergent Strategy, and was like, uh-huh. And then I, I'm a very like, I'm definitely like um, more of a visual person. So I watched mm-hmm. a couple of YouTubes and interviews and I was really <laughs> into what she had to say about like the metaphor of mushrooms, how mushrooms detoxify not only the body, but the ground and how dandelions are not just a weed because we categorize them as such, but they are survivors and that they carry the entire um, survival of the species in a single seed because a single seed of dandelion, as she said, can by itself populate an entire field of dandelions. So I was like, that is fucking amazing and a wonderful metaphor for what she's talking about, post, post-nationalism or survival of not only the thickest, but also just, you know, of the peoples. You know what I'm saying? I'm on one. I'm in a pocket right now. Come on. You are. You're in several pockets. <laughs> Kendrick Sampson, who we should definitely have on the podcast. Yes. Uh, who is on Insecure, also from Texas. Yes. Introduced me via Instagram to Adrian. There you go. I love it. It is nice to meet people that you like that you because you really feel like I know everybody who I'm gonna know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, there's no when people are like you should know someone. I'm like I don't need to. Yeah. But it's so nice to be like you should meet this person and, and then I fell in love. Like what a beauty. What um what a raw necessary energy and spirit. Right. Truly. Truly. And I also love like these new ass comedians. Like there was a point where I'm like, I don't need to watch any more comedy. Mm. I know who I'm going to know. Let me go back and watch some George Carlin shit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) let me see some prior shit. And I'm like, I know who I'm going to know. But the world is changing. It's evolving. Mm. So should we. It's interesting to hear the thoughts and the life of a 22 year old that has an interesting perspective. Yeah. It can't all be TikTok. It can't all be TikTok. I thought when we were growing up, or excuse me, coming into our own in stand-up and cutting our teeth, things were a little bit different. Nowadays, I do like that people can more or less start on the comedy trajectory a lot earlier than we did. I felt like when we did it, finding your voice, da-da-da-da, it wasn't, people weren't as clear as to what they should be doing on stage. Yeah, we were all playing at a character of stand-up. Exactly. For a good-ass while. And mm. now we do have way more language for our feelings. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I could debunk a problem with my son in a minute 30 on an Instagram or TikTok video because <laughs> the therapist is like, boom, I don't need to, like, go make an appointment, go see someone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, they just, boop, this is what you could do for your kid that doesn't want to eat broccoli or whatever it is. And so, <laughs> you know, it is lovely that it is really at our finger chips like yeah. that. But I think it's also really important to just unplug and put your feet in some grass and listen to whatever your body is doing. Call a friend that knows you and like remembers your parents. Yeah. And it's just great to have people like Adrian out there. You know what I mean? That are doing the kind of work that she's doing, facilitating, making sure that we understand that we actually are more connected than we realize. Mm-hmm. I love that part. And I love that you, this felt, this episode felt like a first date between you and Adrian. And first dates are just um, <laughs> to decide if you want to go on second ones. And I think <laughs> I think if we're going to do the rose ceremony right now, there's going to be a second date. And I love that. You know, y'all should connect. 
Thank you. You know what? I had a moment where I was like, did Jordan write this orgy question? Oh, no. Jordan did not write an orgy question. When I think of orgies, I think of like food orgies. I don't often think of sexual orgies, but like... What the fuck is a food orgy? A food orgy is just like a, a huge display of food. One so big that it's almost like embarrassing to touch it. Do people know this? Yeah, they do. Um, I think. I hope. I'm just saying it with confidence. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> is this just what you and your wife call Thanksgiving? Okay. Oh, my God. Yes, an orgiastic amount of food. Would you say the meatball party is a food orgy? Yeah, it is. I think that your spread yesterday was a food orgy. I'm I'm hosting orgies and didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. This is who I am, you guys. You don't even know it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I'm hosting food orgies. You guys, no, that's not real. That's not a real thing. Hold on. I'm going to look it up right mother cracking Oh my God. You, and then you're going to be like... After each podcast session, we need to <laughs> like really delete all our, like our search engine period because it is wild. <laughs> okay. Wait. Oh. Don't um, hit images. Well, don't hit image. Uh, exactly. No, exactly. wait. Stop, please. Okay. Who are you talking to? You. No. Well, the first, okay, the first page is just food orgy porn videos and sex food and 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 stuff. And it does not really bode well for my my theory. Anyway, um, yeah. Okay. Oh fine. God. Fuck it. Yeah. So who told you there was a food orgy then? Because now I really need to trace it back to its roots. I just have heard that an orgiastic amount of food, but like it doesn't, you know, maybe it's just people clanging and banging on, on top of, you know, um, charcuterie boards or something like that. I don't know. There is a saying in Dutch called Noken in the Koken. <laughs> you need to warn a brother before you say some shit like that. <laughs> no in the cut. You, you don't even have to translate it. You ain't even got to translate it. <laughs> I feel like I should translate for the rest of the listeners. Wait, was who's and who's? Was they noking in the coke? Who's and guys? <laughs> if you have not seen my special, welcome to Utopia. Get into it. When I first yeah. met my husband, Chais, he had a cat named Who's, and his best friend, Chais's best friend, is named Tice. And I was like, "Stop fucking with me." Um, <laughs> but there is a very popular saying called "noking in the coking." I don't know what that means. Which means fucking in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's break in bitch in Netherlands. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh wait, maybe I found it. Nope. This is all. This is all porn. Are you still talking about food orgies? I'm trying to be right. You know, I'll go to no, any length. You're wrong. I'll you're, go to any it's, length. It's weird. No, I know it's weird because who am I if I'm not right? That's okay. It's okay. Maybe you went to a sex party and they had a big buffet and you're like, this is what it is. <laughs> Shrimp cocktail for everyone. And that's okay, bud. This has been a fascinating episode for a lot of different reasons. Yes. And I wish we would have ended it a long time ago. But now I know that food orgies aren't real and that you <laughs> might be going to orgies. I'm not. With a lot of food. Not happening. But I, till next time, <laughs> stay noking in the coking. <laughs> I love it. All day. Yeah. I just got my kitchen renovated so I could be. Oh, my God. Noking. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. In the coking. Well, uh, the, the, I got to call my therapist now, and uh, I will that talk That backsplash <laughs> ain't there for nothing. Right <laughs> on that wood. All right, everyone. Take care of yourselves and each other, and don't forget to not only wash your hands, but clean under your fingernail, you dirty, nasty bitch. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Jiha Lee. Our associate producer is Christina Chamberlain. This episode was mixed by John Bradley. Our guest booker is Patrick Kotner. Additional production support from Hannah Kyle Crichton. Theme song and live show DJing is by DJ Don Will. Our live show producer is Marianne Ways. Artwork by Jamie Bechtel. Photography by Gijs Vandermost. Executive produced by Karen Kilgara, Georgia Hardstark, and Danielle Kramer. Follow the show on Instagram at adultingthepod. Email your questions to adultingquestions at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow Adulting with Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show and visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase adulting merch.